You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. God bless Young. He's put up with me for two and a half years. In fact, this past month, he went with me to the ACS as I learned for the first time how to use an Uber and how to, to live in an Airbnb and, and, and become more hip, so to speak. But as I've, as I've come here, I've enjoyed growing in the research. I've seen students build molecules that have never been seen before to try to derive specifically how it looks, 3D shapes, and working with companies that are are using this as a means to not only produce their work, but to innovate new types of research. Working with algae systems, we've got one that was placed downtown, and it was driven by students. They built it, they ran it, they placed it downtown. And they're innovatingly changing these components that could also drive rural areas. It could be paired with missions where we could go to third world countries and other pieces that need this type of thing. So not only for research to be innovative, but also to help. Look at protein and other types of interactions never seen before. There's a company that we're working with that produces hydrogen in a way that nobody else does. And in fact, I think in the future it's going to be hydrogen technology that's going to push automotive technology, not as much as, not as much, or sorry, not batteries. Batteries will fade. It's hydrogen that will rule. And this company might have unlocked the key to find it, and we might be able to work with them on it. My dream is to have a lab, a living lab, where students come in and they can be innovative and they can think and they can ponder and they can critically understand what's going on. It's fantastic to be able to sit and watch them grow. And, and even if I'm sitting there washing dishes and, and watching them grow, it's fantastic. That's my dream, to have a lab where they come in and they, they, it's a living one. It consistently changes and, and grows. So you've heard about a little where I am now. Let's take back about a while ago, let's say, (laughs) and put you in my shoes when I was your age, 19, 18. So let me also take a step back. I grew up, my parents were very stable. They were great parents. My dad has grown up in the youth group, and I grew up in the youth group, and he's been a youth counselor since I've been alive and still is, and has been a mentor to me and still is up here and, and, and wonderful. My mom the same way. And when it comes to this, I had a, a situ- house where I could go to bed and wake up and my friends are still hanging out with my parents, not me. So I had friends that would go hang out with my parents and not me. And they would come to my house from, to, to, to talk to my parents because of the stability that my parents brought. That's what was so important. Yet, as well, when I was growing up, I was the kid who would stare out the window and the teacher would say, pay attention, or you're not going to amount to anything. Pay attention. I was the, the boy who could never read very well, who didn't talk until he was three or four. Always behind on everything that I did. Always the different one in that sense. I grew up not physically anything, an issue, The one thing that I always questioned growing up was my intelligence. And yet, here I am. So here I am at 19, 
I have finished high school and have begun to start to go to college and chemical engineering degree. Why chemical engineering? Good question. <laughs> so in that, what I want to say is this, for those who have no direction in that sense or not an idea of what you exactly want to do, this is my story. It's a story of when God says no with a touch of base. And so I start here, freshman, college, going to UK. I did not want to really be involved with my parents' church, and so inevitably I just didn't go. It's not that I picked a different, I just didn't go. I didn't have a specific direction I wanted to do. And so I'm finishing through that semester, and I get this first part. It's a letter to Aldersgate Camp. It's about an hour and a half south of here. I wanted to be the lifeguard. I thought, okay, if I can go, I can do something different. I'll be something different. I'll be a lifeguard. That's easy. I wasn't prepared to be a counselor or anything else. That's a competitive one anyway. Everybody else wants to do that. I'm just going to be the lifeguard. I got the letter back and it said, no, you're not going to be the lifeguard. Oh, jeez, really? I ended up being a counselor. I don't know how. I don't know why it ended up being that way, but I was. I ended up meeting a friend there, and we became really good friends, brothers, so to speak. And he came to me and he said, I want you to play bass with me and, and, and guitar while I play guitar. I want to grow a band and have a band. See, I, wasn't, I didn't have a church. I didn't have a direction. I didn't really have a lot. And he came to me and said this. Yeah, that'd be fun. I, I would like to do that. I want to do music. Music is a passion. It's, it's a love. And so I continued that. And I had another friend come to me as well and say, I want you to play bass in my band. And I, I said, okay, that, that's fine. I've got another one I'm working on. And I had another friend say, I'd like for you to play in my contemporary worship service and be a youth counselor because there's 50 kids and I have no youth counselors yet. So it turns out that the two friends that were both talking to me had just met each other here. And they both wanted to start the same band. They both came to me in separate ways. And they both knew each other and they both knew me. But somehow the connection wasn't made until... And at that point, I realized music is what it's going to be. God has called me into music. I'm going into music. And that's what it was. I had several people say, oh, you should go into youth ministry. You'd be a good youth pastor. You'd be great. Never got the call. It didn't happen. Okay, so I set that aside. In my undergrad years, I would go through and I rolled into chemistry because the wisdom of my parents... I needed to have a degree, so that's what I did. And so I got my degree in chemistry, but I cared nothing about chemistry because I was convinced it was music. So we had played everywhere. We had gotten to travel. We produced CDs. We got to actually go to Igthus. A dream of mine was to play at second stage or first stage Igthus, to actually play, and we got to play at Igthus. And at the end, they, they came down, and we're used to just putting our material away and our stuff away. And, and we looked at our stuff, and one of the guys behind said, there's people out there wanting to see you to sign your CD. Excuse me? What? So we stood there, and we signed, and it was like, I'm starting to see a taste of this. I'm starting to actually tour and travel and, and, and do these things. It was fantastic. And halfway through my senior year, I ended up meeting my better half, and we ended up getting engaged, but before, after, I ended up moving to Nashville. 
Here's a girl who actually wants to spend her life with me, and I'm leaving. Brilliant. So, <laughs> so I moved to Nashville. I'm gone. I, I move. She's in Lexington. She was working as a social worker in the state, and I, had, I left. And here we are in Nashville. We're trying to make it. We've got a basement full of music, and music is my life. I have a chemistry job that I hate. It was terrible, but I did it. And it was a job. It allowed me to do the things I needed to do. It was okay. But coming home one day, I've invested everything into music. Coming home one day, God said no. That is not the life I want for you. How did I know? I was driving home, and I knew that I no longer belonged. That was it. But here's the problem when it came to that. God didn't say, no, I don't want you to do music. I want you to do this. God said, no, I don't want you to do music. What am I supposed to do? It's not there was a specific direction. I had to make a direction. And I did the only thing logical. My wife was as working for the state as a social worker. It couldn't come to Nashville. Why delay our marriage a year when I could just go home? When I knew that Nashville was not the area I needed to be, it's not where I needed to be called, not where I needed to go. So I moved home. And I went back to Lexington, and I progressed and started to pull away from music and shelve it for a while. But before I do, I did want to sit down and play just a little bit for you, kind of a bit that I more or less came across or played with or used in my office. This is a bass that I have in my office, and often this is what I play. And so... Bear with me, because this is about the first time I've played bass by myself. So...
So as you can see, bass was so much a part of my life. I grew up in the orchestra, transferred to electric, and now bounce back and forth, and I love it. I still do. And so I finished music, and I went back to get my master's. See, I didn't do well enough as my undergrad to actually go into the PhD program. The advisor there said, I can get you into EKU with your master's. So I started there, and I worked my way, and there was something that clicked absolutely clicked and I loved chemistry all of a sudden it was applicable it made sense and so I started there and I worked my way through Natalie was starting to work as a adoption social worker and and at that time I was making peanuts and she was the one who was the breadwinner I graduated with my masters and ended up rolling into two positions one there was a Lexmark opportunity, and two, there was UK. And I was going to go to UK, I was going to go to Lexmark, it paid more, and God said no. So I went to UK. Little did I know what that would do. And I went to UK and started to understand what research was, this idea of dreaming, dreaming stories, looking at the data and trying to think outside the box to build a story, to try to understand what was going on in that sense. And through that, was able to start working and building. And I started building these instruments and these reactors and starting to see people globally come in to see some of the stuff that I had built. And here I am, a little Kentucky boy. And I've gotten to be able to do these opportunities. My boss's boss was a big player in the Manhattan Project. Anybody know what that is? where they made the atomic weaponry. My boss's advisor was there. I was in direct lineage with this. This guy was the number one in the world for so much of this. And he allowed me to start working for him, never have hearing about any of it or knowing any of it. And I started working for him, and there was so much talk, oh, you should go get your PhD, you should get your PhD. And my advisor said, if you want to get your PhD, you're going to have to find somebody on campus because I'm not doing it. I was convinced I'm going to be the one with the masters telling the PhDs what to do, but living there as a researcher my entire life, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God wants me to do. God doesn't want me to do music. He obviously didn't say anything but the youth ministry, so that's not going to happen. So there's a no there and there's a no here, so I guess it's research. And so as I progressed through about three and a half years later, he finally said, came to me one day and he pointed his finger, if you want to go get your PhD, I'll be your advisor don't tell anybody. See, he was 77. He had no reason to take me on. In fact, it was a burden to take me on. And yet he did it. He provided an opportunity that I never thought I would ever have. Here I am, a kid who spent his life questioning his intelligence, and now I am working with the world's leader and under him allowed to get my PhD. If this is not a clear sign of how God can use your weakness, I don't know what is. I used my intelligence to think I am not a smart person. And yet, this is where God put me, in this field of intelligence. Oh boy. And so I started progressing through, and I went, and, and, and with two kids, and my wife, God bless her heart, allowed me to do this, where I would do my homework at night, and I would work, and I would still want to put the kids to bed, so I'd put the kids to bed, and I'd stay up till midnight, and get up at six the next day, and go to work. And for three and a half, four years, it progressed like this. 
And so it came down to my orals, which is, I call it academic hazing. You basically are sitting in a room, here's my advisor and three other people, and they are going to just grill me for three and a half hours. And the reason I'm saying this is because when I was standing there, I started doubting, thinking, it was this the right decision? Here is my boss, who is also now my advisor. If I fail this exam, he hands me another master's. Guess what? I have a master's. It's useless. Problem. Am I going to have a job? I need a job. I've got a family. I've got a house. So here I am in this room, and all of my eggs are in one basket. And I ended my oral presentation with this. The advisor asked me one question, and then I just stared at him. I didn't even think I could say my name by the time he was done. And he ended with, I can clearly see you can't answer that question. You can go outside now. So flabbergasted, I'm out in the hallway. Here I am. I have put all my eggs in one basket. I have defended to my heart's content. I can no longer think. And I'm in the hallway seeing, am I going to actually survive this? Was this a good decision? And through the wall, I could hear my boss laughing. I knew that was really either a good thing or a bad thing. But I passed, and the pressure was so great that I took off and ran to my car. What's the problem with that? My backpack, my keys, my wallet, my phone, and everything were still on the podium next to where I was talking. And I didn't realize it until I got to my car. So, so now I have to go back. But that pressure difference and the opportunity that was provided to me couldn't have happened if that part with the job, with my degree, with me coming back to Lexington. It's this series of no's. God said, no, I don't care for you to really be a youth pastor. This is not what I need for you to do. But he didn't say, this is what I want you to do. I went and became and tried to be a musician. And God said, this is not exactly what I want you to do. I was convinced I'm going to be a full-time researcher for the rest of my life. I'm going to think and ponder. I'm going to write papers and travel the world and, 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 and collaborate and work with industry, with NASA and all these other components. We worked all kinds of companies. And they came to us for intellectual problems. And it didn't happen. I finished with my PhD and I walked in and two weeks later, God said, this is not what I want for you to do. No. Eight months, I went into that lab doing everything I needed to do. And I didn't know what I needed to do. God said, this is not what I have for you. This is not what I want you to do. And I got this friend of mine talking to me. We talked about Asbury. Oh, yeah, I'll apply. Sure, why not? So I applied. I didn't think much about it. This is in August. Come November, I get an email that my boss this is Wednesday afternoon at 4.30. I'm sitting out on the stoop of my house. I get an email. My boss is retired. I thought he was going to die before he retired. That man lived in the office six days a week. He got paid for one day. He loved his research. He loved his reading. He loved the history. He loved the catalysis. And he retired. Do I have a job? Am I going to go back and actually have a job? He's my boss. If he's gone, our group is gone. There's a problem there. Half an hour later, guess what I got? An email from Dr. Sutliff. Congratulations, we like your CV. Why don't you actually apply? Completely two random emails. Had no idea either one of them were going to come. And boom, there they are, together. 10 minutes apart, 15 minutes apart. When I was going through this, I had really no 
intention or, or knowledge to think, I'm not going to get this job. I was convinced that this is where God wants me. And so what I want you to realize is that now I can research and be a researcher. Guess what? I get to interact with and watch you guys grow and be a counselor. I get to play music when I can. And God said, I don't have, want you to do this or just this or just this. I want you to do it all. All of it. It was a roundabout way to get to right here. But in, in trusting God, he knew more of what I wanted to do than I did. So for those of you who don't exactly know, God does. Do you catch what I'm saying? In that you might go like me in the long way around it, but in the end it worked. Right? It was a wonderful path and it was a great opportunity. And here I am and I'm loving it. I'm loving to see the growth and the research and working from the ground up. And, and all the people that are so supportive on all of that. So let's end with a short prayer in this, and then I'll let you guys go. So let's bow our heads. No matter the direction that you go, may that you walk with God in all that you do, that when you wake up, that you pray, and that you understand God is the ground at which you walk, like I do in that sense that you trust him in the ways that he has for you, in the directions, that the confusion or the problems or the sorrow or the, the unknowing may be a joy because that is something he can work with, that your weakness is his strengths because you never know. Amen.